Welcome to Men Talk, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the world of miscarriage, infertility, infant loss, and stillbirth. Hosted by Daniel Landau, founder of menshelpline.org, we'll be sitting down every week with real guys to discuss their stories, struggles, and triumphs. So grab a drink, sit tight, and let's talk. So welcome to the Men Talk podcast, where men talk about miscarriage, infant loss, stillbirth, and infertility. Today's guest is Ryan McCoslin. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Yeah, yep, you got it. <laughs> Excellent. So Ryan, feel free to introduce yourself, where you're from, you know, a little bit about your background, and you know, what you do professionally, and we'll go from there. Well, my name is Ryan. Um, I'm over in Michigan, and uh, I, I'm a music director. I've been doing it for about two, 15 years or so now, and uh, wife and uh, kids, and uh, just kind of the average life, you know? And I, where about in Michigan are you? In Detroit? Are you in suburb of Detroit? Where are you? Over around mid-Michigan, kind of Flint, Saginaw, Bay City area. If anybody's familiar with the state, I don't, I don't know, but... So you're by Michigan State University, somewhere in that area? Yeah, about an hour, yeah. Very nice. Have been, I've been to Detroit, but not that part. Not that part of Michigan. Yeah, you got to go north of Detroit. It gets real nice as you go. The further north you go. <laughs> I got to come visit. Anyway, so feel, you know, what's, um, you know, I'm glad we, we were connecting. We have a chance to, you know, talk a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your story, you know, your background, what, what your personal story is. I know you're a music director, so I'm really curious to hear how, you know, music helped you through, through the journey, through your miscarriages. What, what's your personal story? Well, uh, my wife and I got married in 2010 and we kind of, it was one of those things where, um, you know, sometimes you find out, you know, a woman will find out she's pregnant and didn't really even know it. You know, sometimes you kind of get to a certain point and she goes, Oh, Something's not feeling right. You go through a test, whatnot. But in this case, uh, my wife ended up having a miscarriage and she didn't know she was pregnant. Uh, so for us, it was kind of, you know, we weren't planning on anything. We didn't know. So it was kind of like, oh, sort of a bummer kind of deal. But um, not knowing to begin with, we weren't really sure entirely, I guess, how to process it really. But um, then we had um, a few months later, uh, she had a second miscarriage that one uh, she knew she was pregnant and then right after that there was a third one there were three miscarriages within about seven months and um, it, it's it was one of those things where you know just one miscarriage is is very um, very devastating but then when you've got multiples and also when you have them in a very short period of time it can make things very very difficult straining both personally and then on a relationship level also um <laughs> i didn't i didn't handle it very well it's um, i will say that much uh, music didn't really do much for me at all i kind of sort of shut everything off from the world more or less so with those three did you do any testing were there any resources for you you know within within the hospitals you know, after the first one and the second one did you do any testing no, the, we really didn't do any testing until after the third. And, and actually what it was, was just a level issue. And, um, you know, it was really nothing that 
could, I mean, there were, you know, like prenatal, you know, there's always like the prenatal vitamins and all that kind of other stuff. But when you start dealing with more chemical kind of stuff like progesterone, which was the issue, um, there are some things that can kind of help that. And I don't recall offhand what it's called, but um, overall, I mean, it's really just a body thing at that point. And that's all we had to do was get past that. You know, as long as the progesterone levels would get where they needed to be, then everything was going to be fine. And which, which did happen with, um, pregnancy number four, we ended up, um, having a wonderful, wonderful child, um, through that, with that pregnancy. And then a year and a half later, um, she got pregnant again. We had another wonderful child. So we've got two. And then uh, a couple of years ago, um, just kind of randomly, um, out of the blue, she ended up having, uh, two miscarriages that we didn't think she, she wasn't supposed to be able to get pregnant again <laughs> but you know thing, uh, the body has an interesting way of working absolutely what what was it like you said you you broke down you know didn't handle it very well what what did you do like you just shut down completely you turned off the internet like what what, what I, went through your mind what'd you do i just didn't know how to handle it and I turned to, I, I turned to drinking. I'm not ashamed to say it. Um, it's not something I'm proud of, you know, obviously, but I just, that was my way of coping, I guess you could say, cause I didn't know what else to do. And, you know, alcohol is a suppressant, you know, and it can be, you know, and, um, then it just, it went from there. It was more, even having the kids, even after the kids were born, I was still drinking because I never processed any of it. And it's like the more that it tried to come to the surface, then the more I drank because I didn't want to have to ever uh, deal with it, so to speak. And it just, it eventually, after about five years, about five, five and a half years or so, it um, it did come out. There was nothing I could do to really stop it. And it just... It was one of those where I ended up going through, I think, pretty much all the stages of grief in a, in the period of one night. It just, it all kind of came flooding out. I drank, I drank a very exorbitant amount. I should have, I probably should have had alcohol poisoning. Thankfully, I did not. Wow. But I made calls to people that I didn't even know I did until I got texts next morning of how are you feeling and so forth. And I'm like, what? And we're looking at my phone going, Oh my. (laughs) But I, um, I cleaned myself up at that point. Um, I realized, okay, this could be a problem. The the drinking part, you know, could be a problem. And so I stopped that. And, um, and then I did eventually talk to you know, talk to some friends and finally kind of said, okay, look, here's some stuff that had happened and we went through some miscarriages and I just need to talk about it at that point. I, you know, it, it was something I had to face and whatnot. It's just the fact it took five and a half years later, you know, and, and it's one of those things where it's, if you can deal with it or I'm sorry, not deal with it. That's not the right word. If it's something you can discuss from the beginning and start to work through, um, it's the 
best way to be able to handle it and go through all those stages. Um, it's something I wish I had done from the beginning, but you know what? It is what it is. And this is at this point, this is, I'd like to be able to talk about it, maybe help somebody else do it and not go down the road I did. I hear a lot that guys oftentimes turn to drinking after a miscarriage because they don't know how to handle it. You know, there's no right. resources out there. There's no support out there. There's the focus is always on the woman. What are things that, that, that came up in conversation with your friends? Did they know what to say to you? Did they, you know, after the miscarriage, what were their responses? Well, nobody really had a clue. Um, I mean, just in general, nobody really knows how to handle that, how to respond to that. Um, Cause miscarriage is not one of those things that thankfully is not, something that everybody you know has to um, experience because it's i mean it's absolutely it's terrifying that you know there's no other way to say it and um you know but then of course then when you have dealing with men because we didn't you know physically carry the baby you know we people really have absolutely no idea at all how to how to speak to the uh, father because okay, to say, how are you feeling to a father? You're just, it's just an emotional feeling that we have, emotional or mental feeling we have. We don't have the physicality that the, that the woman or the mother has. And so for us to describe, for us to even be able to describe our feelings can be extremely difficult. Yeah. I mean, at least for me, I just didn't, I didn't know. I, I just didn't want to do it at all. What do you wish, you know, looking back at the miscarriages you have, what do you wish you had known, you know, been there, done differently? I wish I had known how to communicate better, or rather how to communicate at all. Um, My wife and I, we didn't communicate. There was lack of... um, understanding which is you know normal um because you've got two totally different experiences towards it and you know we we didn't communicate i shut her out she shut me out and i don't think looking back once we eventually finally got around to talking about it once i finally opened up um years later she had um she went through the whole thing herself, essentially at that point. I mean, cause I didn't, I wish I had known that walking away, um, emotionally was the absolute worst thing to do. It's, it puts a massive strain, not only on yourself, but also on your partner and then on the relationship as a whole. Um, and this is the one thing I tell everybody now when I hear of this, I'm like, you know what? You need to keep your communication open. Don't shut your spouse out. Yeah. Because don't, don't shut your spouse out. Don't turn to any substances. And, um, cause that's certainly not going to help you either. And find, um, find somebody that you can talk to, whether it's, you know, a friend that you 
you know, may not understand, but may be able to, um, that you can confide in and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, whether it's a family member who has maybe gone through it or even just strangers on Facebook, like, you know, through that, uh, men's miscarriage support group on Facebook, you know, that wasn't around when we went through this initially. And, you know, I, I wish it had been there. I wish there would have been something there um, at the time, but there wasn't. So I, I just had nobody to go to. Did being that you work in, in the church as a music director, did any of the pastors or clergy check in on you? Did they have any idea what's going on? Like, did you have that as a resource, as a resource? Um, well, the pastor I had, I'm, I, I work in a Catholic church. I'm, I'm a Roman Catholic. And the pastor I had, um, was what they call uh, later in life, meaning that, um, he became a priest in his forties like, and fifties after he'd already done a lot of other stuff. And he had been previously married. He had three kids. And, um, so he understood the parent aspect. He'd never been through a miscarriage thankfully, but he understood the parent aspect of things. And so he was very um, kind of understanding at that at that point in time with kind of what was going on. I, uh, I was at home, and like I said, you know, you misunderstand the signals and stuff from your spouse or significant other quite easily. And um, it was one of the things when I figured I'd stay home, and then I was told, well, I didn't want you. Well, I misunderstood that as a just flat go away, you know, not a she really needed me at that point. And so I just I thought, well, I'm not going to stay home. Why stay home if I'm not wanted? I went back to work, and my boss says, why are you even here? Hmm. He goes, this, he says, you can't, he says, you can't function. He says, you need, he says, you need to go home. I'm like, what am I supposed to do at home? You know, he goes, be with your wife. And I'm like, I, <laughs> like, I don't know what, what I'm supposed to do here, you know? And, but, um, no, he, but he was very, uh, supportive. I mean, as best he could be from a pastoral realm. And I guess, um, then, I mean, I never really opened up or anything. It was just the extent of, I had to say that, okay, look, she had a miscarriage because everybody knew she was pregnant because, you know, you get so excited and you want to tell everybody, you know. And, um, but it was, you know, and it was the same thing with my wife, uh, with her work. She's a massage therapist and, and her boss was very, uh, was also very kind of sympathetic towards the whole thing and, you know, you know, whatever you need you know, kind of deals. So, I mean, in that regard, it was nice. Um, I guess you could say it that way. Um, helpful may, might be a better word. Um, just, it's, I don't, I don't know what's, a, it's one of those weird things that, it, you know, it's hard to, it, it's hard to describe how you had it, how people responded to it really. Because it's, you get sympathy, you get empathy, you get those that um, just completely, truly understand it, have been through it. And then there's those that just are so, um, they feel awkward 
and understand most understandable so that they just feel awkward and they don't know how to support. So they just kind of, you know, shy away, you know, and, and now, you know, learning these things and stuff, learning, it's like learning that that's okay. You know, if somebody just kind of shies away from you when you tell them things like that, it's not because they don't care. They just don't know what to say. Yeah. Unfortunately, that happens a lot where people just don't know what to say. What type of, what type of education do you think people need to hear? People need to learn about how to communicate with us. You know, your spouse is going through miscarriage, know what to say to you or how to communicate. What type of education would you like to see out there? With regard to communicating with men towards it? Yeah, with communicate, you know, with friends communicating towards you, whether work, spouses, like, do you think there should be like a communication guide out there? You know, you're suffering a miscarriage. You know, here's what to say. Here's what not to say. Here's kind of some tools and tips how to deal with it. That kind of, in a in a roundabout way, you would be able to find, you pretty much would find something like that with any sort of, um, kind of grief support uh, booklet or anything like that, you know, a funeral might give out just in general. And, um, but I, I mean, I can't think of anything real educational, so to speak. It's, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, other than books that I know are already out there. Have you read, you know, any specific books related to dealing with the miscarriage or that you recommend? No, I haven't. Um, I know there are books out there, but I haven't looked them up. So I, I don't know any titles or specifics. Okay. What about, you know, general in terms of like the hospital or I'm not sure when the miscarriages happened, you, you had so many of them. Were you by the side of your spouse in the hospital? Were you at home the whole time? What was that I, like I for was, you? I was with her the whole time. Um, the second miscarriage, the, the first miscarriage was at home. We didn't really know that entirely that that's what it was. We just kind of had a thought of, you know, wonder if maybe this was a miscarriage, maybe this, you know, kind of thing, and went to the doctor and did some tests and found out, oh, yeah, you know, she was pregnant, okay. Um, the second miscarriage, we did go to the hospital, um, and the treatment we received from that particular hospital was so horrible. Well, not the hospital, it was the doctor and the nurse, the, the ER doc and doctor and the um, ER nurse that were on call that saw my wife. They were just the most unprofessional, uncaring, un, um, sympathetic human beings I have ever met. And it was just kind of, they were talking to each other. The nurse and the doctor were talking to each other, not even to us. And I mean, the doctors, you know, looking at her and stuff like that and looks directly at the nurse and just kind of nonchalantly like any other conversation just says, Oh yeah, she's having a miscarriage. I mean, that to us, nothing sympathetic. The nurse didn't say anything. 
and just turned around and they both walked out. And I mean, just kind of left up, you know, I, I, you gotta be kidding me. That's crazy. Yeah. And if, if it wasn't, you know, for the type of situations, all I wanted to do was knock the guy on the floor, you know, and, but it's like, I didn't know what to do, you know? And, you know, they, they said they just up and laugh. Well, what I ended up kind of full circle ended up happening several months later. Um, the, we wrote to the hospital and, and said what had happened and, um, they sent a huge apology letter and so on and so forth and come to find out we were not the only ones that that had happened to yeah. with just that particular doctor. It was a traveling doctor and a traveling nurse and they were not asked to come or they were asked to not go back. Wow. After that after our letter and stuff like that. And it's just, it was a, we, you know, it it was one of those, so we didn't hold it against the hospital in that case, after finding out that that's what the deal was. Um, And that the hospital dealt with it, but um, there was just, it was a horrible experience. The third miscarriage, she was actually getting ready to go to doc, go to a doctor's appointment. And this, this was in a different town. And, so we took off, you know, went to the appointment. Well, as we were going to the appointment, she started to, you know, kind of feel stuff and whatnot. And she basically, was, you know, had a miscarriage and stuff. And so went in doctor's office, they sent us over ultrasounds, all that stuff and, and whatnot. And, and, and we were treated very well there at, at that hospital and, and with her doctor, her doctor treated her very, very well for all three of them. Um, but it's just, it's, it's one of those things with hospitals. It's you gotta just hope that you get the right doctor, right nurse, I guess, that can, that knows how to deal with it or handle it, I suppose. So interesting how sometimes hospitals don't have the best staff. They don't think, you know, doctors often think, oh, you know, they have some big egos. They often think we know what we're doing. We're the best in the field and, you know, they don't necessarily think about the patient, so to speak. What's the patient feeling? What's the right for the patient's family? They just want to treat that patient, get them out of the ER, get them out of the way. And it's really unfortunate. It it really, yeah, it really is. And I wish, you know, I guess going back on your education thing, I guess maybe that would probably be something I wish that there would be more out there on would be education to deal, how to handle miscarriage support in a medical setting in the hospital. Yeah. You know, kind of, I, I guess to go back on your education thing there a little bit, that would probably be, it would be from the professional medical level. What about on the clinical side? I mean, is there a difference for you if you went to the clinic versus the hospital, the care that was, that was given during the miscarriage after the miscarriage? Um. I'm not entirely sure exactly how to answer that one, I guess. <laughs> like I said, her, her doctor, her doctor was great. Her, her doctor was phenomenal with us. And, um, so were the, um, staff of the, the entire hospital, the hospital that, um, we were dealing with. The one we ended up going to was just closer to our house that we lived at at the time, the one we had the issue with. But the, um, where her doctor was in that hospital, they were, they always treated us with the utmost um, care and respect 
you know, just as much as anybody else. So I guess leaving the conversation a little bit, what hopefully you won't have to go through a miscarriage, you know, again, going, going forward. Um, (laughs) But what sort of advice as I, you know, being there, try not to, try not to drink or just what other advice would you give to our listeners out there and say, you know, you're not alone. What, what, what advice would you offer? Tell the whole societal norm of men, keep your feelings bottled up and, you know, you're the protectors, you fix everything. Tell society to just screw it. Let it out, scream, cry, do, do what you have to do with that. Let the emotions out. Don't hold them in. If you, even if it makes you feel like you might be the biggest crybaby on the face of the earth or whatever feeling you might have towards crying, um, just let it out and do it anyway because it will be the most, it will, it will relieve so much stress and so much of the pain, um, off of your shoulders to just let that out. I mean, what I find when it eventually finally did happen to me and it was probably I think two or three hours of just flat straight crying and I felt so much lighter afterwards and I felt so heavy for so many years because I just bottled it all up because like I said societal norms that's what you do man you bottle up your feelings don't do it just let it out talk to you know your partner cry together but you got to talk about those feelings. You can't hold them in because it will destroy you. Yeah. What avenues, you know, to let it all out, what talking about, do you, do you think that therapy is a good option? You know, whether it's music, sports, animal therapy, like therapeutic side of things, going to support groups, or did you find that sometimes support groups is solely focused on the woman. It's awkward to be in some of these groups. Did you ever try that method? You know, I never did try any of that. Um, it was um, those groups. Cause I mean, groups for men didn't, they just didn't exist. I mean, even online, they didn't really, they didn't exist 11 years ago. Um, you know, there were a few out there, but they were few far between and they might have, you know, two or three members or on, you know, old forums or something like that. And it's like, well, if there's really no support there if you've only got a couple of people. And yeah. at least that's how I looked at it at the time. You know, I have a different view on it now. Um, you know, even just one person there is help. You know, even just having one person can be a big help. Um but, you know, yeah, look for things, you know, look for some support group out there because they do. Now they have, there are more, more and more men support groups that are coming out, you know, because this is now the whole, um, the whole idea that miscarriage only affects the woman, the mother is fine. That's finally starting to just kind of crumble away and people are starting to say, okay, we do need to look at the fathers. We do need to look at the men. We can't ignore them anymore. Isn't that incredible how times have changed? And now it's not just about doing everything to look at the fathers, but to look at the men. 
Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's, you know, I am so thankful that it is, that it is changing and the view is starting to go that direction to not, to not ignore, you know, the, the men because it's, because it's extremely hurtful, you know, when you don't have anything there, when everybody just kind of pushes you off to the side and just goes straight, you know, to the mother, to the woman, you know, and um, just kind of, you know, pushes you off like, okay, you know, like you don't exist because you didn't carry it. So, you know, that I, for me, I think that added more, added a lot more stress and emotion to it being sort of cast off to the side, or at least that's the feeling I had. I'm right there with you. You know, when my wife and I experienced that miscarriage, we were also, I was also pushed off to to the side. You know, our main focus was, you know, her, her health, her safety, you know, let's take up of her. And no one else ever asked me, Hey, how are you doing? How can I be of assistance to you? And they just wanted to take care of her. That was it. So super, super glad and happy that there are things starting now, resources for men out there, support groups, hotlines, Facebook groups, retreats, right. you know, definitely want to connect people to you out in Michigan. And I'm sure if that, well, that's okay with you, people can reach out to you and start. Building. Oh yeah, of course. That, that's one of the things once I found um, that uh, the men's support group, the one that, um, that uh, you're a member of too. And that's how we found each other. Um, I found that two, two years ago, I think is when I came across it two or three years ago, then it wasn't that I was looking for, um, looking for support for myself. It just, I'd gotten to a point where I said, you know what, because a couple of friends, um, had had miscarriages and stuff like that. And so I jumped, you know, to be a support for them, um, either, directly or for my friend's husband, you know, kind of thing. And so I started to look for a group out there that, you know, with, you know, men that need this too, you know, so that in this case here, I can say, Hey, I've been through it. I understand. I have no clue what you're going through because everybody's different. And that drives me nuts. It's the whole thing. Well, I know what you're going through. No, you don't. You understand what I'm going through. That's a completely different, that's a completely different definition of I know how you feel or I understand how you feel and nobody knows how you feel, but they can understand it if they've been through it. Definitely. And I'm really, really glad that you're on that group and so many others, you know, we definitely need to keep helping everyone who's gone through it because like you said, you know, don't let these things boil up inside of you. You know, cry about it, talk about it. It's very, very healthy. So men listening, you know, fathers listening, future fathers, don't get discouraged if a miscarriage happens to you. You know, there are resources out there. Very powerful. We can connect to one another. We can help one another. You are not alone. Right. And it's, it's nothing you did. This is not something you could have prevented. And it's not something you can fix. That was another thing that was very hard to understand and accept 
was that it was nothing, it was nothing that we did or nothing I did. And it was nothing that I could fix. 100%. You know, it's nothing that you, I, or any other guy can fix. It's part of life. It happens. There are ups and downs and the statistics don't lie. One in four, one in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage. I mean, that's pretty, it's 25%. So person to your left could have experienced it and the person to your right could have experienced right so you're not alone exactly thank you so much for being on the show i really thank really you. enjoyed uh our time speaking to one another and uh once again you you know you've listened to to men talk talking about miscarriage infant loss stillbirth and infertility and please don't hesitate to reach out and and, and don't be a stranger thank you so much again ryan no, thank you. All right. Be well. You too. You've just listened to another great episode of Men Talk with Daniel Landau. If you've suffered from miscarriage, infertility, stillbirth, or infant loss and want to open up about it, reach out. We'd love to have you on the show. You can also join our Facebook group, or if you'd like to get involved and start a chapter in your neighborhood, visit our website, www.menshelpline.org today. Until next week, stay strong and remember... You're not alone.